0: Hello and welcome to the Brotherly Love podcast, the official podcast of Brotherhood Wholeness.
1: This is the number one personal development podcast for men, sharing the highs, lows and lessons in between of ordinary blokes doing extraordinary things.
0: Every week, join Kato Sibthorpe and myself, Guy Anderson, as we talk health, fitness, relationships, entrepreneurship and all things of high vibration. So sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Hi there, team. Welcome to the Brotherly Love podcast. Uh, Myself, Guy Anderson, today's guest, we've got Dale Meyer. And also, we'll address the elephant in the room. We've got Cato Sibthorpe, who is now on for the Brotherly Love podcast. Well done, brother. Well done. Pleasure to be. Yeah, so with Matt Young, uh, he has gone elsewhere and and realized he is out there to do things. That's also, he's also an affiliation with Brotherhood and still a brother. Yet, uh, Yeah, he's got some big plans ahead of him, so uh, we respect and honour that and look forward to seeing him probably feature on another episode somewhere down the line. But for the time being, we've got Dale Meyer on the podcast. Dale
2: Meyer, for the listeners out there, who is Dale Meyer? Um, for anyone that knows me, I'll probably start off by apologising. For anyone that doesn't, um, I'm, uh, I'm just a normal dude on the Gold Coast, just... Um, trying to live a bit with a with a bit of passion, trying to have a bit of fun and, and trying to change what the the normal life is supposed to be, all that, you know, quote-unquote, mm. you know, ordinary life. That's not what I'm about. So doing whatever I can to do yeah. something different, be something different, and help some people along the way. Yeah. Mm, I mm-hmm. love
1: that. I, I really um admire Dale because Dale played a massive part in my life, especially when I was getting into business. I remember you, uh, I met you at an event and, um, you know, I was looking for a bit of, a guidance I guess from someone and you were you were someone in the room that you, you st- and you stick out to me so much because you just look like another guy mm. you know you expect and you, you would never have thought it and it would, the story that you told me of how you went from you know zero to hundred in really quite a short amount of time was inspiring and every time I know that I talked with you I just felt this energy it was intense man and you really inspired me and you helped me put together the movement academy and you really were a big part of myself and guys journey along with brotherhood and just your mindset um, yeah it's been it's been really great to soak some of that up mm-hmm. and I know that the audience will get so much out of just listening to your story and I, I know that you went from pretty much nothing in a pretty short amount of time to having you know 500,000 dollar half a million dollar business in like I'm pretty sure it was about six months hey
2: yeah we're, we're on track to do half a million sales in, in about six months
1: yeah can you sort of mm, dive definitely. into that Like, so that.
0: This, this is what's perfect about this podcast because the intention is ordinary blokes doing extraordinary yeah. things yeah and so yeah. it's like and that so when you say that you just came across as an ordinary bloke yeah. you are doing some fucking extraordinary things brother so yeah yeah you mm. wouldn't have picked it yeah Yeah. yeah. well I think But of your story bro yeah
2: I think, well, first of all, I'll just say, like, even just to hear that from anyone, like, that's just humbling. Like, to, yeah. just, just to hear that I've actually helped someone in any way, shape, or form is, is humbling because that's, that's really, at the end of the day, there's no point, do, if you're doing it all for yourself, it, it just can't last. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it just it can't last. There's too much weight on your shoulders, but when you have people around you that, you know, inspire you and, and you get inspired from it, and even the, the brotherhood and everything like that, I remember at um, Q1, you guys, oh, no, Q1, it was... Um, the casino yeah that party at the top of the casino you boys mm-hmm. told oh, me about yeah, your yeah, thought yeah, for yeah. brotherhood and I think a lot of men and what what, what it kind of touches on in the way that I kind of did what I did was everyone every man has that fire mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of being able to recognize you have it and then being able to use it a man can do anything mm-hmm. there's nothing a man can't do mm-hmm. it's just finding that inspiration to go and do it that's mm-hmm. really the only thing so that's pretty much where my my story started, and it's funny to even sit on these podcasts and say that I have a story because to me it was just, this is what I don't want, this is what I do want, yeah, I'm gonna go and get it, yeah. But to everyone else, it's a story. So, mm. it pretty much uh, my where it started for me was I was straight out of school, did a, a an apprenticeship, or well, did an apprenticeship while I was in school, finished it, mm. came out was a tradesman, yeah. had a bunch of bad bosses, just terrible terrible people, like in their own right. But mm. the thing I'd always been taught was that. You go to work, you do a good job, you get promoted, then you make money and you just do that five days a week and you just mm. shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the kind of thing. And then being a man was a whole other part of that and going, if I come home and I go, oh my boss is a dick and do that, man, stop bitching on. Mm-hmm. Like that was a whole other part of this thing. So at that time I wasn't really doing any work on myself or anything like that and figuring out what I wanted. It was just, that's what my dad did, that's what my granddad did, that's, you know, that's what you're supposed to it's do. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And for a lot of that time, so I was a Boilermaker and I did night school for engineering but that's who I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, if someone said, oh, you know. You were Dale the Boyle, man. Yeah, 100%, and that's yeah. what I identified as, because yeah. that's all I knew, you yeah. know, that's all you got taught. So, um, probably, I was playing a lot of footy at time, and that was like a lot of drive, and a lot of passion, and everything like that. Went into that area of my life, looking back at it now, it's more like, I didn't really love the game itself, mm-hmm. I loved the opportunity, the game gave me to see who I could be, that's mm-hmm. what I really liked. Yeah. I like the competition of, you know, it's, you, it's not you versus them, it's you versus you. Mm. That's what I liked. It, at the time, I was just an AFL fan. I just mm. loved AFL, mm. but that's really not what it was. So that's where the drive and everything like that started. And then with having the bad bosses, the bad employees, thinking I was this one thing, I just got real, real fucking sad. Like my yeah. life just felt sad. And it wasn't until in 2016, my old man said to me, we both ride Harley Davidsons, we both wanted to go and do the Sturgis bike rally over there. That's so like 200,000 people who go to this one town mm. for these two weeks, and it's all harley davidson <laughs> My old man said to me, he's like, "Dude, we should fucking do this. We've been talking about this. We should just do it." Yeah. I said, "You know what? Let's fucking go. Let's do it. Got the time off. We flew over there. I took about a month and a half off. We flew over there. Wow. I flew out on a, on a. I think it was a no. I flew out on a Thursday, and we got there jet lagged for the weekend, and then Monday, me and the old boy of. Where is this? This is in uh, uh, America. So, oh, so you? Went, oh, you went to a, a yeah. month and a half. Yeah, it was. It was oh, wow! Awesome. That's got a vacation. on my foot. Sturgis, 2016. Oh. The, old boy, <laughs> the old boy's got the same thing on his arm. Yeah. But um, Harley Davidson. Yeah, so we um, we went and did that, and then it rolled around to the Monday. Did you say 2016?
1: Yeah. That's not even that long
2: ago. Bro. <laughs> no, no. So that's where it all started, really. Yeah, that's well. where it all started, and then um, the Monday rolled around, and we're in the Harley Davidson. Like it, my sister lives in Nebraska so we flew over there saw her rented Harleys and then rode across two states to go and do the, do the rally
3: yeah.
2: mm. and um, we're in a Harley Davidson factory and we're renting these Harleys and I have a look down at my watch and it says it's a Monday and I was like I don't think I've ever felt this good on a Monday <laughs> and then I was like huh that's just something interesting we went along fucking riding bikes doing all this shit seeing just the coolest shit look at my watch a couple days later it's Wednesday and I'm still happy and I was like this doesn't make sense how can I be happy every day? It's supposed to just be reserved for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And then we go through, we do this whole trip. Me and the old boy, like, we just fucking had a blast. Like, my whole family was there, but mm. it was really our thing, and we mm. just had the best time. And for a month and a half, I was consistently happy. There was mm. no peaks and troughs. There was no Friday fucking ups and Sunday downs. Mm. There was, I was just happy. <laughs> the day we went to the airport to come home, I quit my job. Wow. I didn't even come back and work again. I just... I literally couldn't even fathom that for the last 10 years of my life, I didn't know I could wow. be consistently happy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even really ha- know how fucking sad I was. That, that was yeah. yeah, the thing. Right? Yeah. Wow. So thing. Just cause it's so normal, you know, like your environment just becomes, it's so normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I quit my job at the airport as we got on the plane to come home, got home, bought a van, built a van, lived in the van for a year and just went and did some dumb shit. Took, I, I probably took three or four years off work. I had a bunch of savings cause I just, wow. I, I, what I did was I played footy and I worked. so. The weekdays were yeah, working, and yeah. the weekends were football, so I didn't spend no money. I wow. had a bunch of money saved up, and I just thought, I'm just going to go and see some shit, do some shit, and find out who I am. And that's where, really, it all started. Like, it was all...
1: That was before the whole business and everything. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
2: right. I, I found out a lot about myself as a person, and, um, and there's, so much, like, there's so much to unpack in, just in that, because when you look back at it logically, you talk about you're born. You hang out with your family till you're 18. If yeah. you move out, you're probably gonna move out with friends. If you don't have a girlfriend, if you yeah. have a girlfriend, you're gonna move out with her.
3: Yeah.
2: From zero to 22, you don't have any time alone. You don't have any time alone. You're mm. either living with someone. Very rarely you'll move yeah. out by yourself.
3: Mm.
2: You're always around other people, which means their opinions, their environments, their like everything, their experiences is all mm. kind of rubs off on you. Yeah. And it wasn't until I went to America where. I had saved the money and I had yeah. done everything that mm. I needed to do to be there. Mm. And if I said to anyone, hey, I'm gonna go and do this, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, well, no, no, you're gonna hang out with the family. They were mm. like, well, shit, you're a grown man and yeah, you can go and do that. Mm. So then I started doing that stuff, come home, jumped in a van, did it, doing what I wanted to do every day, no compromise, no yeah. someone going, oh, no, I don't really wanna do that. Oh, no, the weather's not great. It was just whatever I wanted to do all the time.
1: Yeah, right.
2: And then I actually started to realize that a lot of the things that, I grew up with and a lot of the people like even the people I hung out with and stuff like that didn't actually agree with a lot of the things that I thought I was mm. and then that's when the house of cards fell over and I was just mm. like shit who 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 actually am I? Mm. And what am I actually made of? Man,
1: that is such a big wake-up call, you know, for so many people, especially, like, if you've only ever done one thing and lived Mm. one way your whole life, that's all you ever know. And you see people doing all these exciting other things, Mm. and you think, well, I can't do that because I've never done that. I've never felt that. I've never experienced that. And until you have that hit yourself, like, it had to take you a month and a half off to go to America to experience a Monday. Mm that you could probably say that Monday changed your life.
2: Best Monday of my life. Yeah. Still, to this day, best <laughs> Monday of my life. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, and you're 100% right. You just don't know what you don't know. Mm. And, and what, it, what you're told and what you feel like is impossible is impossible until it doesn't feel that way anymore. Yeah. If you're sitting there and you're seeing some dude that's surfing all week but somehow he makes money online, and and you're a fucking plumber, Mm. you go, that's impossible, because all you know is plumbing, Mm. okay? This guy, he might only know online retail, Mm. that allows him to surf all day and work all night, whatever it is, Mm. you just don't know what you don't know. Mm. When you get trapped in that cycle of, this is who I am and this is what I do, you don't try no shit, Mm. and when you don't try no shit, you don't figure anything out.
3: Mm. Mm. Wow.
2: So that's really where it all started. Then I came across a friend of mine, we stopped playing footy, and a friend of mine said, hey, have you ever heard of free diving? And I said, no, nah, what the fuck's that? And he said, uh, you're pretty much scuba, but with no air. And I was like, that sounds terrifying. He's like, yeah, man, we should do it. I said, that sounds great, let's go. <laughs> so we started doing that and we started, we did a, um, like a little kind of breath work course and learned all about how it works and all that kind of stuff. And from coming from footy and coming from a place like, so my old man was an ex AFL player. So it was real hard, push yourself, push, push, push. Then I went into this other sport now, which I tried to push and push and push, mm. but that's when you start talking about having blackouts and you know you start doing damage to yourself and all that kind of mm. stuff. This sport was actually in reverse. This was actually calm yourself down. If yeah. you want to go further- Surrender. Yeah, calm yourself down, let everything else go rather than trying to push your body and push your mind and all that kind of stuff. It was actually about knowing who you are. Mm. So then we got into that and I was like, well, this is a whole nother ball game, but- I wanted to be good at it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have to do the homework. And then naturally, meditation comes in. Uh, not so much breath work at that point. Breath work came in a lot later. But a lot of meditation, um, a lot of just, um, I guess it is kind of breath work, CO2 cycles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. A lot of that stuff come in. And as I tried to calm my mind, and when I got back in the water and was going down to you know, 10, 15 meters depth, and that urge in my head said, all right, now, like push now, mm-hmm. like we have to get past this. Mm-hmm. It kind of shut down. And mm-hmm. this other thing came in and said, all right, cool. Like, let's just... Relax, and let's just relax. Mm. You sink deeper and deeper and the pressure gets more and more and you kinda go, oh, okay, but let's just relax. (laughs) And then you start to figure out that you can actually be at your best under pressure without all this yeah, without, you know intention. all this yeah, yeah without all this anxiety yeah and, and, and kind of stress on the body and the yeah. mind.
1: Wow what an important lesson. Hey. Yeah
2: and then that's where that started from. So there was a whole other journey wow. doing that And then everywhere when I was in the van, everywhere that had a sinkhole, everywhere that had you know like lakes, ponds, whatever it was, always got in the water and did that yeah. and then f- you actually find out when you surrender and when everything's quiet rather than everything being noisy Right. you actually find out who you are.
1: That is so interesting that you use that lesson in business, mm. in relationships, even a gym workout or something like that. So yeah. let's just stay calm mm-hmm. because it's like, it's like getting angry in traffic. It's like, what good does that actually create? No, no. It's like, what's good distress stress in the body create? Mm. You know, they really know scientifically what stress
2: creates and yeah. wow. Yeah, but and then yeah. see, that thing relates like into everything. beautiful for life, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. There is a time, the noise. there is a time and a place to be a fucking animal. That absolutely is. Sometimes mm-hmm. the world needs an animal. Some, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. You don't have mm-hmm. to be that all the time. Yeah. You start to extinguish that fire if you overuse it, if you overwater it and you smother it with logs to try and make the fire bigger, sometimes you're actually going the other way. Mm-hmm. But having that polarity and having that you know, having that switch in your brain that goes right now, it doesn't need that. Mm-hmm. What it needs is for me to be calm, think this through. Do, like, do the right thing be efficient with my energy rather than just spending, spending, spending. Mm.
1: Wow. Do you remember what sort of techniques or breathing or some, like, can you run through like an example of going down and being like, okay, I feel the pressure and I I have to, like, what were you, pict- were you picturing something in your head or
2: you know what it was funny because we've had a chat previously um, about the kind of work I did with of body experiences and stuff like that yeah. all that stemmed from and we'll mm, go back there yeah so all of that stemmed so. from where this come funnily enough I thought exactly what you just asked mm. I thought to get calm I would picture a happy place you know yeah. a place yeah. where everything's okay and you feel safe mm. that's actually not what happened for me and it might mm. happen for other people but for me it happened like this you would go in and you would do what's called a breathe up if you're going for a deep dive mm. or something like that. When you're just doing like recreational di- diving, like at the seaway and all that kind of stuff, mm. it's only really like eight to 10 meters deep, so you don't need to do any yeah, of that. Yeah. But um, before some of my bigger dives, you would do a breather, which you pretty much just fill, get as much oxygen in the blood as mm. you possibly can. The technique of that is very similar, like not so much to Wim Hof, mm. just because w- like Wim Hof is more, it can kind of get you into a. Uh, it just kind of, it, it fills the, the blood with so much oxygen, you just lose those signals of, hey, I need to breathe now, right. which is very important when you're going underwater because if you don't have those signals, you can go from being in a good spot and feeling like you've got all the time in the world to blacking out very quickly. Wow. So yeah, it, right. was, it was very similar to that, but just tailored more for, um, breath, like for um, diving. Right. Yeah. So um, there's certain signals that the body gives you, and this is where... Now, like at the start, it was terrifying right. and this is where I kind of started to, after the America thing and, and with the diving where I started to go, oh shit, actually the stuff is terrifying,
3: mm.
2: isn't that terrifying? And you can, it, you can turn it into something that feels good. Mm. Wow! So as you go down, you hold your breath, what actually happens is the pressure and air and everything and the way the buoyancy works is everything wants to go up. So mm. like if you were going to take a bottle of water, oh sorry, an empty bottle of water, push it underwater, mm. it would want to come up, that's mm. buoyancy your lungs are a pressurized vessel inside your body. So as you go further down, they the air from them wanna come up. Mm-hmm. So the further you go down, the leftover space in your lungs actually contracts. So mm-hmm. your lungs actually get smaller and smaller and smaller. That feeling feels kind of like, it feels like someone's giving you a really warm hug, like a real tight hug yeah, yeah, around your yeah, waist. Yeah. And then as you get deeper and deeper, especially in cold water, you'll start to get this thing. It feels like, picture if you're, organs in your stomach were a ball and there's a string on it it feels like someone's just pulling this little string yeah and those these are the contractions telling your your brain is telling your body we're running out of oxygen we don't need to fill the hands we don't need to fill, we don't need to spend so much time and energy filling the hands and the feet so it shuts we're, off your parasympathetic yeah 100% so then what it does is it starts to bring all the blood and everything and all the cruci and all the oxygen back to the vital organs mm. so <laughs> When you first do that, these contractions feel like, oh, I'm going to be sick. Like, this is right. like, it, it feels, it's really bad. Like, like to the point where, if, even if I was sitting here, let all my air out, and I held and held and held for as long as I could, you could actually see me, like, convulsing. Like, that's how powerful the contractions wow, are. Right. And that feels real uncomfortable. Mm. But then there's a point after that where it feels like someone, they let go of that hug and you just going to get filled with this like adrenaline. It feels like all this blood and, and wow. energy rushes into your heart. Wow. And Is that oxytocin maybe that's been released? There, could, it could be. I don't know the, the scientific side yeah, like yeah, I yeah. said, I'm a very simple dude. I just yeah, read yeah. the shit, watched the shit, and then I said, yep, cool, let's go. Yeah. yeah. you
0: always see when uh, when you were talking about that convulsing and stuff, you see that, and I recall back to like James Bond, Casino Royale and the- Good movie. The, yeah, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic when the Aston Martin goes on, over on its side though. However, <laughs> the, the woman that he's seeing, I can't remember her name, but she's in the and she's, they went their last breaths when they mm-hmm. take their last mm-hmm. breath and they convulse in the water before mm-hmm. they black out and pass out. Mm-hmm. However, if you're more conscious of it, you can say you can enter another phase or another state.
2: Yeah, so it almost feels like, so when that, that feeling I was describing, so as you come down, all of that stuff's happening to your body. And to answer your question, Kato, for me... I found that actually just closing my eyes instead of looking at where I was going, like I knew I was going straight down, right. so then I knew there was nothing I was going to hit until I hit the bottom. So I would actually close my eyes and the thing that was in my head it was almost like floating through space. Wow. Like,
1: Dude, that would have felt, were you holding a rock or something?
2: No, no. just We had weight belts on.
1: Oh, so man.
2: So you pretty much, you want to be as hydrodynamic head first as down. possible. Yeah, head first down. And so you kind of tuck your arms in whichever way feels comfortable so the water has less drag on you so you fall further. But um and faster. Fall but further. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. But it's it's almost like I I imagine it would be a similar feeling to skydiving in the way that I can imagine, you're, yeah. you're just not in control. Like it gets to a point around three, four metres with weights and everything like that, where you just start to fall. Yeah. And you just start to fall. And so that feeling, everything feels like it's tightening up, everything feels contracted, you get that hug feeling and everything mm. like that. Then as you get to the bottom of your dive, if there's a base or whatever it is, or if you're touching the sand, you get to the bottom and there's almost like this moment of relief where now the pressure isn't increasing it's neutral so you kind of feel like you get this kind of oh that's nice and then as you look up to come up and you push up the pressure's going the other way so then it feels like <laughs> all the blood comes <sighs> out and everything fills up again wow. and you can see the sun shine through the, through yeah, the water wow. on and, and it, just, and it the water. You just it feels amazing and all that all that same feeling that I used to get on the football field from being the best on ground or you know wow. doing whatever mm. I had to do I was now getting from a place of pure bliss. <sighs> yeah. Water. So that was what opened me up spiritually to a whole journey. But um, yeah, it's it's more it was more so a, a thing of actually being like, no, I can be whatever I want to be. Mm. You know, ten seconds ago I was the guy on the surface. Yeah. Now I'm thirty meters down at the bottom of the ocean. Thirty meters. Yeah. wow. And like that's the kind. Of, but that's that, that's what opens your eyes when you actually think about that. You think I've gone my whole life trying to force, 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 force maybe there's a whole nother side. And mm-hmm. if, there's, if there is a whole nother side, there's a whole nother side of you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go and find out what that is. And that's where it comes into the story of like wow. starting businesses and giving up that whole, oh, I've got to work for money and I've got to do all that. And all these things, all these rules that are kind of placed on you. Mm. To break through that for me was more so like, if I know exactly who I am, what I'm capable of and what I can and can't do, mm. if I do anything and I do it to the best of my ability, if it works, if it doesn't work, Gives a shit. Mm. I can't yeah. do any better. I know exactly who I am, exactly what I can do. If I do it and I do it with fucking no holds barred, yeah. Even if it goes tits up, mm. cool, man. I can't do any better than that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. In five years, I might be a better person and I might be able to try it again. But until then, cool. I don't have to live mm. with no regret. It's exactly. like ultimate forgiveness of yourself because you know what you can and can't do. So mm. why would you judge yourself? Yeah, yeah. and a hundred percent of that is forgiving yourself before you start mm. like yeah like <laughs> you're gonna fail yeah man you, you don't fucking know nothing well, yeah you, like, you don't yeah you don't know yeah you don't, yeah it's like
1: well, it's like detach from the outcome and do it for the sake of doing it oh, oh yeah yeah. Mm. yeah you know
2: even even I said to um, and
1: you'll pro- usually when people detach anyway they end up being more successful than they could have thought because they have no expectation in the first place yeah
2: mm. and if you if you take a shot let's say that you you want to fucking be a doctor or whatever it is. If you sit on your ass and you think about becoming a doctor, mm. you not gonna be a doctor, nah. all right? If you take a shot, you do three, four years of med- medical school, you go, I don't want to be a doctor, this sucks. Mm. And you go into physiotherapy mm. and then you find out that you can help people rebuild their bodies and you find your calling. Mm. Yeah, the goal was a doctor, but what happened along the way is what you actually learned, mm. you needed to learn, okay? Mm. That, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. Even now, like I would, if you said to me, you can have all the knowledge you have or you can like or you can have all the businesses i would mm. say take the businesses
1: that's what i love about you bro i think like you're so you're so okay with setting a goal and not reaching it mm. because you understand that and you trust that because you know yourself it's always you're always going to end up at a good spot anyway yeah and, yeah you know, if, it's like if mm. you're
2: learning something you know more than you knew yesterday. Yeah, How can you yeah. be worse if you yeah. know more than yeah. what you and knew yesterday? That's
1: why learning, and you were talking about that at the start, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And if you just learn, you'll get better every day. And uh, like, she, she, when we start judging good and bad experiences, I think that's where it can be troublesome because it's like, it's not about good or bad, it's just about learning. Mm. You know, mm. It's just about getting better every day. Mm. Yeah. And if
2: you, and if you are, <laughs> if you do that for 10 days, you do that for a month, you do it for a year. You're better than you were a year ago. Mm. Yeah, you might not have that thing in your heart because I want to do this every day and this is my passion everything mm. like that. But the passion is for learning. Mm. The passion is for becoming better mm. because sometimes there's things that are outside of your control that can ruin your confidence, they can do all sorts of stuff, mm. the economy, whatever it is. Mm. Shit happens, shit mm. happens. It's still the world, the world will still spins. Yeah. So if you're doing that, if the thing that drives you is the journey, then the destination is irrelevant. I was, gonna,
0: talk about I was gonna say that, I was gonna say that, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, it's like, you know that you're set when you're enjoying driving the car more than you are getting to the place you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, how good are the trees? man, the breeze is so nice. <laughs> mm. Oh, vibing with the music in the car, yeah, my friends man. or my or whatever, yep, you yeah. know, this is awesome. But if you're driving like thinking, oh, I just wanna get there, I'm in a rush, you know, you're stressing out, like oh, you yeah. can't, you're not thinking properly, you're not in the moment mm. and it's Let's not see. being present. Yeah, no.
2: and you can lose yeah. yourself. I've done, I've done it and like all this, all this stuff I talk about, this is stuff that I, I've i learned, I've done and I'm trying to, like I'm trying to learn more. Mm. It's not so much a thing like, I'm not ever gonna say to anyone, do this and you'll be fine. Mm. That's not the recipe. The recipe is learning in your own way. Mm. So even doing this stuff now, I still forget this shit. Like sometimes I'll just, like I'll wake up and someone will say to me, look mate, that meeting we had, can we push it an hour forward because I've got this, this and this. It's a very important meeting and I've got to be there in half an hour. Sometimes I'll get in the car mm. and I'll go, all right, like this is exactly what I'm going to do and I'm so focused on that, that drive is gone. Yeah.
0: yeah. I yeah. end up at the destination. you're like, holy fuck, what have you lost 30 minutes?
2: Yeah, 100%. And that still happens and you're human, this shit's going to happen. Mm. It's about being able to catch those moments and making more of your life the moments where you are than the moments of you're not. Yeah. As that percentage increases, you just get better and better and better. And it becomes more natural. Mm-hmm. You know, you're know, you not sitting there going, oh yeah, fuck, what happened that time? Or why didn't I enjoy it? Sometimes you go out and you're thinking about so much you don't even enjoy hanging out with your friends. That's mm-hmm. the thing that you're doing that's not attached to anything. That should yeah. be the fun part. Yeah. But sometimes you sit there and you go, I can't wait to get home because I've got to do this, this and this. When you can catch that and it becomes... 50, 50, and then you're still catching it, you go, okay, now it's 60, 40, now it's 70, 30. Your life becomes, you get more present, you're living your life. The more you can live your life, the more passion you can live with. It's so
1: interesting as well, because the more you bring yourself back to the present moment every single time, you'll end up doing more of the things that you wanted to do every moment anyway. 100%. Which is like a real interesting paradox and you'll be <laughs>
0: grateful for more your mm. life will have more meaning as you're more grateful for being in the moment yeah, because so you're more true. present with it because you're conscious oh, of it
1: wow this is so interesting you know how like it's when you were talking about like monday became the good part of the day like mm. i think i can sometimes even fall into the trap of thinking oh wow there's different times of the day that are better mm. or yep. worse than others and yep. now it's like well what if every moment of the entire day could be the same and mm. it's like wow like imagine imagine that Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Think, yeah. No peaks and troughs, as you said. Y- yeah.
0: yeah. You always you come. You mentioned quite a few times now passion, um, the fire. Mm-hmm. What's what I admire about you is your you when you've started your business and you've got uh, multiple businesses. Let yeah. me clarify. as um, the one you're building one your current build is uh, what, what's, what's the name of that building company that you? Uh, FYS uh, is the name. Yeah, right. FYS. Yeah. 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 And your purpose behind that that when you started that was for your staff or yeah. your co-workers and, stuff. 100%. and so what was, that per- what was the intention there like?
2: So starting a business to me, so that, that was the second business that I started. The first one was a waste removal company, yes. which, still, which still runs today. And we'll drop onto that at some stage as well. Yeah, but in terms of the drive behind that was there was personal drive and then there was, like I said, you can't use that, you can't smother that fire so much. So if I just said, I want to be a millionaire. Mm. Yeah, that's real good. But what happens when you become a millionaire? The fire, as you get closer and closer to it, the fire just gets fanned out mm. because you reach your goal. You use the fire. You've used all your fuel to get there. Mm. So what I wanted to do was create something in this business that I hadn't done in my first business, which was, first of all, I had been, I'd had money, not a lot of it, but I'd had money when I saved it all up to go to America. I'd spent all of it to go in and find out who I am, mm. and I was coming from a place where I didn't have a lot of money. I'd experienced myself. I'd experienced enough of the world that I needed to see to get me into a place where I didn't have itchy feet and I didn't wanna run around and try all this different stuff. What I wanted to experience was being wealthy. Right. So that's where the first business came in. I was like, I haven't felt that yet. Mm. I can't imagine it feels bad, but I haven't felt it. So that's where the first business came in. Now with the second business was more so, okay, You anyone can make money, okay? Anyone can make money. What am I gonna to do to make this business one where I'm not going, oh, got to do this or I've got to do that it was more so making it starting a business where I could if affect other people in a way that didn't require me to go to reach into their souls and go who are you and try and wake them up or anything Mm -hmm. like that it was something that people live with every day Mm. when I started taking people on that business and I ran that business for the first eight months by myself and did all the work myself until I got injured and then I needed to bring people on, which wasn't something I was really anticipating, but I had to do it like overnight, pretty much. Mm. The thing was, I worked for 10 years, feeling like shit every day and not even knowing it. Mm. So my drive behind that business when we started bringing people in was, I want them to feel valued, I want them to feel good, I want them to know exactly what they're doing, I don't want them to feel like idiots, I want them to look forward to going to work. Mm. And then if I can bring one person, five people, 10 people, 30 people, whatever it is, and those people aren't hating Mondays, mm. cool, yeah. cool. I don't have to shake them and wake them up and say, what are you, like, what are you doing, you should be doing this. Mm. Man, they're, they're on their own journeys. What I can do is provide the, the stability of their life, the part they go to every day, I can make that a good place to be instead of a bad place to be.
0: What an amazing intention for yeah. any business owner if you can start your business with the intention for everyone to come to work loving work, yeah. to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. and Because how
2: much better are they gonna perform for you? hundred percent with you sorry yeah. Not for you. Wh- yeah which business felt better um, definitely when we started bringing people on I learned I learned so much from the from the original Western real business just in terms of business how it works yeah, how to operate sure. managing time all that kind of stuff for I learned sure. so much from that but in all honesty the second business when we brought people on and my decisions were I was accountable yeah. for their feeling how they yeah. felt yeah. everything mm. that I did was for the team yeah that feels better right that uh, feels better
1: I I, I really want to jump in because I know there'll be a lot of listeners here who potentially never started a business and I want to and I think it is, is an amazing way to develop yourself and learn about business and relationships and how to manage so much more than just yourself you really are taking responsibility for a lot more of life when you start a business and I would your, your story of your, your waste removal business is incredible and your work ethic and how you turned up and showed up in that business I, I think is so important such a crucial story would you be able to dive in of how that started how it progressed and how it became what it is now and yeah just any important nuggets along the way
2: yeah so I think that first one Australia Waste Management, is it? I know, so that's, that's a non-for-profit we've got at the moment, but this right. this is the waste Just another one of <laughs> them. <it, buddy? laughs> this is how that started. Yeah. So, like I said, about the whole doctor thing, we started with a tiny little waste removal company. I saw a problem that was very, very big and then I felt terrible looking at, mm. so I needed to do something else to help that. Mm. You saw yourself as the solution. Yeah, 100%. And how any business should start. Mm. Find a problem, be the solution. Exactly right. Mm. So, that's how that all came about, but That wasn't the intention. Like Mm. I said, the intention to start my first business was I don't want to work for anyone else. I've been treated like shit. Mm. I don't like this. I Mm. know I don't like this. Am I going to live with that dark fucking hole inside of me and go back and work for someone Mm. or am I going to try it for myself? Mm. Okay, so that's where that started. Then I was like, cool, businesses have to make money. I'll have some of that. Sounds pretty good. Mm. That's where that started from and it led me down a pathway where I was like, there are more problems than the one I'm solving now. Mm. and that's where that doctor becoming a physio finding their life passion yeah you didn't get the end goal but you found Mm. out so much more that you didn't Mm. know before that goal could happen Mm. so that first one started by myself it actually started I was building my girlfriend's parents deck Mm. okay so they they asked me I'd just come back from living in the van um, and they asked actually no sorry I was still up north I was in far north Queensland and they called me and they said look Dale we want you to build us a deck because we know how good you are like what you'll do um, so would you be interested if we paid for you to come back down and everything like that to come and build us the deck? And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll go and do that. that sounds sweet. So I tripped back down, started building this deck, and um, as I was building it, they had a really narrow kind of side access. So everything had to be brought in by hand, and they had no front garden at all. Like there was nowhere to put a, a skip bin or anything like that. Mm. So as, I'm, as I've got materials, you know, waste and everything like that, and I need to get rid of it, I had to get people, I had to get these, what's called a Kanga bag, where you fill it up and people come and pick it up, you buy it from Bunnings, and then mm. you call them when it's full, they come and pick it up. The drama was, the little bit of grass that they did had, that was dead. Mm. So then I had to put it on the driveway. But then they couldn't get in and out of the garage. And I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. All I want to do is keep working, but I have to deal with this waste over and mm, over again. Mm, mm. So then I was like, what do I need to do to solve that? Uh, I said, Actually, I ended up saying, how good would it be if I could just call a the number, they rock up, they load it up, and I keep working, and then they just piss off. Mm. And then as soon as I finished the deck, I took the money I made from the deck, and I started that business. Because it was a problem that I actually had, and there was 50 people in the street that had exactly the same problem with their contractors. Mm. The grass is dead. Can, they can't park in the garage. They can't move their cars. Whatever it is, there's a problem I could actually see was happening. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go and do it. I'm mm. just going to go and do it. And then when I started doing it, I, I realized what I didn't know was mm. how to get people talking about it, how to market it, all that kind of stuff. I didn't even have Facebook at the time. Mm. I don't use social media for anything. Mm. Didn't have a website, nothing like that. So I was like, I just need to get out there and do it and learn what the people want, what mm. they need. Mm. So, um, I... Sometimes if you want something done,
0: you got to do it yourself. Uh, yeah, you know 100%. I, and you've got to get just out listening there. listening
1: to this is like... there's literally you are the absolute embodiment of get the fuck out of your own way and do it yeah 100%
2: 100% and the thing was more so than anything it was just making that decision and going okay I don't know this this is scary yeah I could go back and work for someone and guarantee myself a bit of coin Mm. but I don't want to do that Mm. if you go in and do something that you don't want to do every day man the Mondays are going to feel like shit the Tuesdays and Wednesdays are going to feel like shit you don't want to be there Mm. you know there's more to life you're probably thinking that in your head when you go to work why am I doing this? There's so much more to life. Mm. That's the feeling I didn't want again. I was so, I'd been so f- badly damaged from what I hated about it. I couldn't even stomach the thought of going and doing it for one more day. I just mm. would I wouldn't survive. Mm. So. I just can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can. Mm. I think a lot of people get stuck in that and they think that that's the only way. Mm. So that fuel, and, and I don't regret the 10 years that I spent. I don't regret mm. the bad bosses and everything like that because yeah that fuel that I was talking about that goes on the fire, as soon as I committed to myself that I was gonna do it, Mm -hmm. it was not an option that it would fail, Mm -hmm. okay? There'd be failures along the way, absolutely. But it was going to succeed Mm -hmm. or I was gonna be in a box in the ground. That's Mm -hmm. literally the mindset. I could not go back and work for someone. I'd rather live in a skip under a fucking overpass then go back and work for someone. That's where I started from
3: mm. and
2: that's what drove it. So
3: mm.
2: every day I would go out, I'd be handing out flyers, I'd be talking to people, every, anyone that would listen to me, I would talk to them about what I was doing. Hey, I, I'd get them to know, like a lot of people think starting a business, too, especially your first business, a lot of people forget that there is a lot of sentiments behind that. Mm. If you're out there, just like you went in the park when you mm, and I had a chat, yeah. go on and talk to people and be like, hey guys, this is my first business. I'm trying to get it off the ground. Have a look at my flight. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you're interested. Tell me if you know anything. Mm. Talking to these people. These people feel something for you. If these people are looking for something in the movement academy or they wanted to try a park or they wanted to learn how to backflip mm. or anything like that. Do you think they're going to go on Google and get a good feeling about, oh yeah, I'll go to this high flyers academy no. or the guy in the park that says, this is my first business. Whatever you need. I'll do it. Yeah. Seems mental value. Eh? Yeah. So that's where you can start to build your brand by actually telling people that this is my first business, this is what I'm doing, if you need anything, you just call me. Okay? They want to support your mission. They want yeah. to
0: support, yeah. For yeah for sure.
1: do, Especially if you're excited by it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Over. And if,
2: you've got, if you're passionate about it, and I was, because this was my ticket out of hating Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, mm. wow. So everyone I spoke to, everyone I spoke to could see that this was my vision for the future. And, and their problems, were now my problem and mm. I would take care of them. Mm. That was the whole, that's the feeling that I gave my, mm. my clients. Mm. So as word started to spread, we got more and more jobs. There was this beautiful old lady that called me up. She had like four concrete footings that they, they'd taken a deck out of her backyard for her. And she had, they just didn't take this concrete footing. She called me and she said, hey, how much would it cost to get rid of these footings? And she's like a 75 year old lady living by herself. And I was like, I'll just take them. Like I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah. Like who else is gonna come over here and take them? I don't want your money. Yeah. And I said, I'll be there at 7.15. And she said, okay, cool. Like, I'll have some money for you. I got there at 7.15, knocked on the door. I said, where are they? She said, this is what I got to do. I said, fantastic. I'll take care of it. She asked me about the business, asked me about me. I told her. I loaded them up. I said, I don't want your money. It's all good. She went and told 20 people. She posted on Facebook. She, did, she was so happy that I was just there to help her that she pretty much launched the, the initial phase of my business, one customer I went to for free, and she loved it. She absolutely loved it. If I had have charged her $30, mm. do you think I could have got that exposure for her mm. going, this beautiful young man, I, I had people tagging me in her post going, this beautiful young man from Grabby Junk has come over to my house and helped me do this, this and this. My phone blew up. Everyone wanted to work with the nice guy that was just willing to help someone out. Yeah. Mm. From there, I realized that even though I wasn't changing the world, I had just made this lady's day, her week, her month, whatever it is, she knew that there was nice people in the world. Mm. The next job I rocked up to, I said, I wanna make 100 grand from making people's days better, making their lives easier. And every job, I worked it like it was 100 grand. I worked every single job like it's 100 grand, on time, every time. What I said, that's what I do, every time.
0: Over deliver, every yeah, fucking time. Exactly
2: bro. right. And as we, as the business grew with that, I made one hundred grand, mm. and it started on the first day of me going. Well, I actually Im- impacted someone's life. Yeah,
0: like you gave without any expectation of yeah. receiving in return.
2: What I did was I gave value to another human being. Okay, and it wasn't value in terms of this is what's in my pocket I'm going to put it in yours. It was value in a way that I knew I knew her story. She wanted to know mine, and in the middle, we made a connection. Mm-hmm. That's really what happened. I gave value in the way that she thought that she would have to pay for something. And it didn't matter to me whether I got $30 or not. It mattered to me that this poor old lady had someone there to help her. Mm. And that's where it started. That's where it all came from. I felt good, she felt good, everyone wins. It's a win, win, win. Just like I told you boys, that's what, that's what we're looking for. So we, um, we run Sitting from there and then I literally, every, every day I was like, I want, I want $100,000 and I worked every job, doesn't matter what it was get filthy, fucking cut your hands up, whatever it was, any time of day you called me, I was there, I'd get it done. You had a problem, i fix it, guaranteed, mm. guaranteed. None of this, oh mate, my fucking car broke down. Man, okay cool, if my car broke down, guess what? I'll fucking rent one, all right? If fucking the weather's shit, I don't give a shit, I don't fucking care. I told you I was gonna be there, I'll do it. Mm. You got a problem, I'll solve it, guaranteed, <laughs> underline, Guaranteed, nothing is going to get in the way of me doing what I need to do. When and
0: that you do it best. Yeah,
2: yeah, 100%. Yeah, you can call whoever you want. There's plenty of other people doing what I'm doing. They'll, if they want to fuck you around, I won't. Guaranteed. Whatever they're doing, I'll do it better, guaranteed. However much they're willing to give, I'll give more, guaranteed. <laughs>
3: Every
2: single
0: day, 365. Sheer conviction, eh? Yeah. That's yeah. it. You can that's It's like their, mission. Yeah, that's men on mission bro, mm. yeah.
2: So, come first. when that word started to get out, things blew up. It blew up, it mm-hmm. absolutely blew up. Then, the whole doctor and physio thing again, that whole goal and actually moving towards a goal and finding another goal. I went to a customer's house who happened to be a CEO of a massive company.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He said to me, well I was talking to him about what I'd done in the, in the past and everything like that. He had this massive load of junk, like it was huge. And I got out of the truck, jumped out, super energetic and introduce myself, everything like that. Um, he said, oh, do you want to hand lift doing this? I said, no, man. I said, go and get do, do you think? This is, my, this is what I do. Mm. I, was like, I said, I'll be out of here in 20 minutes. And he looked at the poll, he looked at me, he's like, you're not going to be at 20 minutes, you reckon? I said, yeah, I'll be out of here in 20 minutes. He's like, no way. I said, all right, like, that's fine. I said, you can check your time if you want. I literally, this is how I, when, like I said, I, every job was 100 grand. I don't care if I'm chucking two or three chairs away, I would run to the chairs, pick them up, in the back of the truck, run, sweep up, broom up, everything. Everything was 100% all the time. I loaded up this full truck, three cubic meters of tr- trash in 20 minutes by myself. He came back out, he said, what the fuck? He's like, dude, he's like why, do you, like, why do you do that? And I said, mate, if I can be in and out of your hair in 20 minutes, that means you don't have to wait around, you don't have to do nothing. It's convenient for you, it's convenient for me, I get on to the next job, everybody wins. He was just, like, I'd never seen anyone work like that. He's like, I pay guys a lot of money that don't work like that, and uh, I said, oh, I said that's all good, mate. It's all good. Uh, that's that's what I do. And he said, ask me a bit about myself. I told him where I come from, trade background, all that kind of stuff. He said to me, do you reckon you could? He said, I, Mrs. was vacuuming, she hit the architrave on the bottom corner of the wall, and it popped all the pins out of it, and that's off the wall. Because I tried to put it back on, he's like, but I don't know what I'm doing. I said, oh, I can have a look at it for you. No worries. Went inside. I said, and he's got new pins and everything like that. I said, oh man, all you've done is you've just gone through the jitrock. rock. Like you're not, you're not actually hitting the, the bottom plate of the wall. You're just hitting it too high. So that's all good. I'll grab some tools. I'll fix it for you. Popped it in. He goes, you're pretty handy, eh? I said, I know a little bit about a little bit. He said, I'm gonna send you an email with what we need for a handyman. Um, if you if you reckon you can do it, can you just send through all your business details and that? And like, we'll just get you on the books. I said, yep, yeah, cool, no worries. He said, do you have a handyman business? I said, no, I said, but I'll have one by this afternoon. (laughs) And registered the business, registered everything like that, insured, ready to rock and roll. He sent me the email that night at 8.30 the next morning, I was on site. The second business started from going to a junk job that I'd started six months, eight months previously from just being there, adding value. Now, that's FYS. That's the construction thing we run, booked out till June. How many employees? 30.
0: Yeah. I, I I believe this is. That I wrote the other day about uh, I had to do this role for apply for this role for a young entrepreneur thing. And they asked, what are your three critical steps for starting a business or something like this? The first one was passion. Mm-hmm. You talked about your passion that you were like that it lights your fire. You know this is the, you know this is what the problem that you see and you are the solution. Mm-hmm. You believe that wholeheartedly. You can see it when you're talking about. I am the guarantee. Blah blah. Next thing is the intention. The intention for you was hundred thousand dollars every job mm. intention I'm I am treating this as a hundred thousand dollars the third one skips my mind but I want to come to um, the third one skips my mind but I want to come to um, Is it integrity uh, yeah, what was that, but yeah I guess I was staying like with it with the intention of staying at the job like you got to go you got to have the intention that you know, you're going to be in this, it's going to fail and you've got to have enough integrity to go over and keep overcoming those mm. hurdles Yep. Uh, but another thing that I've noticed is with, with business is when you start with the intention of like oh, that was, this is the third one, as your flagship product, start small mm. don't think of this big over, that was exactly it third one was start small but most importantly start mm. and it can just be as simple as one thing and because what it does is you just concentrate all your effort and attention on that and like you said receive feedback from people about that one product, make that product fucking epic. Mm-hmm. Make it the best thing because then that, your raving fans are gonna build up mm-hmm. and then suddenly you can start implementing, giving more products that are gonna help your client base. Mm-hmm. Uh, also what it did was now suddenly your um, beer necessities have been met and your circle of influence has expanded. Mm-hmm. So now you're starting to receive new opportunities new opportunities that just came in through your flagship product yep. and then now suddenly you've got tangents and now you've got multiple businesses mm, yeah. and it's uh, that yeah I think there's so many important lessons in the way I was just like adding them
2: up with what I wrote for the thing I was like oh it makes sense yeah it's just and the good thing about that is you and I talk what a couple of months apart from yep. having a conversation you're on one side of the coast writing that I'm on this other side of the coast doing that it's so simple mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be complicated mm. uh, and that's when people talk about businesses and everything like that like people i mean just the shit that you hear when you've never done it before that terrifies you and then looking into it from the actual business perspective yeah it's technically true but it's so wrong how mm-hmm. it's understood the amount of people that said to me you know most new businesses don't start or don't make oh, a profit. Well, they said they don't make a profit for the first two years. Mm. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, how am I going to go without making a profit? And then when you actually start a business and do it, you go, yeah, I would. I need to write off all my expenses every year to minimize the tax I'm going to pay. It's not about taking money and putting it in your pocket. Mm. It's more so like, yeah, why would I post a positive statement
3: mm.
2: if I don't have to? Mm. That's, and like. You have so many expenses in your first couple years of startup, yeah, technically, you're probably not gonna turn a profit, but a lot of it is, yeah, I needed that car, I needed those tools, I needed all this. That rolls into your next year's profit. Mm. It's not smart business. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's about being smart.
1: And it's about, you're still making money.
2: Yeah, 100%. But that's the thing—is technically that statistic is true. Yeah. But it's true for a reason that business owners would know it's true for—not someone that's never started a yeah, business. Sure. Going, oh shit! I'm not going to actually make any money. Yeah, man. The business is going to make money. Yeah, like they expect themselves to be not being able to pay
1: rent or food and yep. all this shit. It's yep. like, No, you can do that. It's just not going to be past that because you're paying shit while you grow. Yeah, and even if I
2: Yeah, even like your biggest businesses in the world, like they don't—they will accumulate massive, massive. Um, like factories and all that kind of stuff as a tax write-off. It's an expensive business. So even though technically their statement will say, oh, Mm. we lost 300 grand because we bought a one billion (laughs) dollar factory. What that actually does is take the tax down from this year And for the next 10 years, 15 years that that factory is running, Mm. brings in profit. Yeah, for sure. On the statement, yeah, Mm, technically, it's not so good, but it's reinvested in your business. And that's why it seems so scary before you've done it.
1: Absolutely. And I think people underestimate as well. It's like, when you start a business, it becomes an extension of you and your lifestyle. So Mm. business expenses are going to be the stuff that you probably would have wanted to spend money on anyway. And if you love your business, which... You should, mm. if you're going to get into business, make sure you love it. Mm. It's going to make you. It, you're going to end up, you know, buying things that go around and fill your lifestyle as well. If you needed the upgraded you, now you've got an upgraded you. It's mm. not like you buy it, you bought it through, you know, the profit you made. It's like mm. you bought it through the business, yep. and
0: it's like, how good's that? Yeah. Also, how about the fact that maybe that's what they want you to see? Yeah. Maybe those exactly statistics are what you wanted to see, you want you to see yep. so to prevent you from having enough. Integrity and devotion and towards your craft. Confidence. Yeah, confidence mm, yeah. Mm. to be able to go, fuck, I'm not going to make profit in the first two years. Well, maybe it will just stick it out at this job because that's fuck, at least
2: I know that way. I'm going to get some profit. And what are you doing? Trapping yourself on the system. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right now, hand on heart, anyone that's started a business, loved a business, and has made any money from a business won't tell you that. The people that will tell you that are people who've never started a business who have heard that stat from someone yeah, for else. for sure, bro. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's a massive part when you're getting started is evaluating and, and seeing the world in a, through a lens that isn't right in front of your face. Man,
1: that is so true. It's like it's, it's that advice. Don't ever take advice from anyone that you wouldn't swap places with. Mm. And I was talking to a guy the other day and my mate's got a Tesla and our housemate has a Tesla and it's amazing. you drive and it. It's so much fun. Put it up on my story. Mm. And he goes, Oh man, they're so terrible. And I was like, Oh, dude, they're epic. Mm. Have you been in one? Oh, nah, but I've heard this, this, this. And <laughs> it's just like you, you know, like you really. And that's that's unfortunately ninety five percent of
0: society. Right oh, there's that, that mean, saying: less impressed, more involved. Mm. Mm. It's like you know, there's always, there's always the guy that's saying, Oh yeah, yeah, oh I'd love to be a fighter. Blah blah blah. You know, I look at Conor McGreer, He's all doing the fighting. They're watching all the fighting and stuff. It's like, you ever had a crack at that?
2: Mm. Mm. Oh no, nah, man.
0: Yeah, mm.
2: yeah, you know it's 100% right like in the way That's that so true. Y- you sit there a lot of people just like your example is how many people without money think people with money are bastards mm. yeah absolutely bastards yeah well this is my thing if we filled this room up with people man maybe 50% of them are going to be bastards <laughs> alright if we just went out and picked up anyone off the street yeah there's some people that just hate the world and some of them are pricks yeah they don't have any money. Mm. If you gave them a bunch of money, they would still be pricks. Mm. Yeah. People are pricks with, with, without money, mm. but we go, we assimilate that. I don't have it, and they have it, so they must be bad. Mm. Something like that, whatever it is. Your mate's got a Tesla. Some guy says they're shit. Okay, cool. Tell me why they're shit. Oh, an article I read. Mm. All right, well, I was in one this morning, bro, and that ain't shit. Like, mm. There's so much information. This is the age of information. It's constantly swirling around you. The thing that you can do, and it's, and it's, and it's hard, because everyone wants to give you, everyone's got opinions, mm. and there's a difference between information and opinions, mm. is going, in your brain, going, okay, Dale said this to me. Logically, that doesn't make sense. Like, this part of it doesn't make sense. I am I got no use for that, but this part did. Mm. And then you take the good and leave the bad. Mm. In every conversation, there's good and bad. People's experiences, who they know, who they grew up around, everything like that is going to come into the conversations you have. If you start to look at the stuff they're telling you, and going, that doesn't apply to me i don't believe that at all that's in the bad pile mm. this okay there's something there i can work with that i'm going to take that they're not doing anything wrong mm. they're giving you what they think is right
3: absolutely
2: but if whether it's right for you is a completely different thing mm. so you can decipher all of that and go i'll take the bad that, so leave the bad take the good mm. and that, that's really in this all this information is just sorting through it rather than going <laughs> i've read that article about that tesla filtering their shit mm. Mm. yeah there's um, those there's guys out
0: there don't take advice <laughs> don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from mm-hmm. mm. yep. I want to diverse though you have you earlier you mentioned in the chat about uh, uh, your out-of-body experiences and stuff mm-hmm. please just enlighten us with that I reckon are magical stories yeah um,
1: so a bit of context yeah we please. met with Dale at um our house one time a a while ago actually and i think the conversation was again centered around you know how did you how did your mind become the way it is Mm. you know i think you've got a very powerful mindset around Mm. business and moving and there's very you'll notice when you listen to dale there's very little uh, blocks or limiting beliefs that Mm. you have and i remember you were saying look actually there was a few wouldn't even call them dreams out-of-body experiences that showed me certain aspects of my life and I even believe some of it had to do with football or something like that Mm. and yeah I would love to sort of share that with the audience yeah
2: so before I answer the question the thing you touched on about like the limiting beliefs and everything like that I think that and and a lot of it came from those out-of-body experiences Mm. and the spiritual journey that I've been on but I think more so than anything we all have these kind of rules Mm. about what's possible what's not possible what we're able to do what we're not able to do The real goal here, through anything, is whatever you're doing, is be the creator of those rules.
3: Mm.
2: Choose what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. Who put those rules on you? Like, was it society? Was it what's expected of you? Was it your parents? Whatever it was. If you make the rules, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm. Like there's no reason to feel like I can't start a trillion dollar company if I made the rules. The rules say I can do whatever the fuck I wanna do. So, from that spiritual journey came this whole thing, like, we're not bound to anything. We're not, like, there's nothing actually stopping us from doing anything. It's all just energy. We move it and use it as we feel like we need to. Mm -hmm. So, when I, going back to the free diving, when I got into free diving and got into a lot of those um, different types of meditation and Mm breathing and all those different kind of states, it was a whole new world for me. So, naturally, I got real interested in it, did some reading online, come across um, a lot of like just interesting people people that I'd never even heard of or been around or even heard their perspectives before about lucid dreaming you know out of body experiences all that kind of stuff so the I, I, I believed after reading it what it was I believed I'd had a lucid dream before And then this out-of-body experience thing, I was like, "Oh, now I kind of understand that how it all kind of works." You know, like a lucid dream isn't just a dream that feels real; like it's an actual part of you moving around, Mm. thinking while your body's
1: asleep. And just for those who don't know what lucid dreaming is, lucid dreaming is just like a very vivid dream state, almost like the dreams where you're like, "Oh, I'm dreaming, and I don't want to wake up. I'm going to (laughs) control." like sort of my state in the dream it's yep. almost like you're awake mm. in the dream yeah it's mm-hmm. like a
2: little yeah if you had a normal dream but you decided what happened that's mm. pretty much it and then you yeah. did that so one state above that I was reading about all these out-of-body experiences and I was like geez that sounds pretty red hot like that'd be pretty cool <laughs> to do and just to feel it because at this point in my life and even still now when I look at the stuff that I want to accomplish it's the stuff that I want to like if I was on my deathbed if I was like geez I wish I had done that that's the stuff I want to tick off. That's Mm. the stuff where I just go, cool, I'm gonna go get that because I haven't experienced it before. Once Mm. I experience it, I might love it, might hate it, cool, whatever Mm. it is, Mm. throw it aside, keep it, that's all good. So this is one of those things where I was like, I just want to experience it one time so then I can know what it feels like, if it's even real. At this point, I was questioning if it was was even possible. Mm. So I did a bunch of research that found all these exercises, there's a thing called the Monroe Institute where um, they pretty much developed a process um, to get people into this state so that they could experience it for themselves. So I come across a lot of their research, did a lot of reading and, and all that kind of stuff and I'm a pretty logical guy. So I took what they said they were doing and then I applied it without the laboratories and all the kind of shit that they had. I just made it so simple that I could do it. And they talked about, a lot of, about things like brain saturation, like soaking the brain in exactly what your intention is before you go to sleep. So your brain really only has one thing to think about. Mm. Like, as soon as you kind of go into that state where your subconscious takes over, and like, because we don't actively breathe while we sleep and everything like that, subconscious Mm -hmm. takes care of that. That's when your brain saturated with this thing, makes it possible, so. How did you, how did you saturate your brain? So for me, it was, before I was going to go and and try and have an out-of-body experience, I would do, I would write down in a notebook, I am having an out-of-body experience. a thousand times, however many pages I could do before my hand cramped up, Mm. write that. I would read about it two, three hours before I went to bed, I'd be reading about it, watching videos on it. Everything within my vision was around this thing. So if my brain started to wander, it was more likely it was going to come back to something related to what I'd just done or seen than it was going to think about tomorrow or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So saturated the brain. then how many nights consecutively did you do this before you maybe finally had one uh, I reckon it would have been so actually sorry I tell a lie the first step I did was the dreams that I was having as soon as I would wake up I would write them down every single detail that was crucial that was absolutely crucial that's the first exercise I started doing because to get every detail of your dreams and even now this we're talking four years ago five even years ago even if it was midnight yeah, as soon as I wake up lamp on write it down or even on your phone write it down every single detail I've I, even five years on, I can still tell you the dreams as I saw them five yeah, years ago. Wow. That's the state that you need to be into because the hardest part about doing it is the three stages, dreaming, lucid dreaming, and then you're kind of out of body, is that if you can't catch yourself and go, okay, this is where I am, and you can't look at the details of a dream and, and go, all right, cool, I'm getting there. You know, your, your mind actually stays active mm. while your body's asleep. Mm. if you can't make that separation it's very hard to do so the first thing was nailing the dreams getting them down to the detail if there was a button on someone's green sweater talk about the button every detail that you can get down I did that for about a month alright and then to to the point where I would wake up from a dream and you go I had the weirdest dream I can't remember it I would wake up and I go, oh yeah, I was at the beach with Guy and Cato, and he was wearing this and she was wearing that. It was raining and this and that and that. It was windy, all that kind of oh, stuff.
1: Wow, how I felt in the dream! Yep. I felt like this. I felt like oh, this was happening. I was thinking
2: this. Everything, everything. It, especially wow. if, if it's sensory, definitely get it down. If you touch something, it feels like something. Write it, go, like, oh, wow. what felt like everything, everything. 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 You
1: might write pages. You yep. might stack right up ten minutes writing it. Yep,
2: hundred percent. Wow, hundred percent. Yeah, so I, I did that, that for a, for about a month. And then it got to a point where I was getting so good at it that I could wake up and, I, and someone would be like, how'd you sleep? And you'd be like, yeah, cool. And you, I would explain to them the dream, which would sound like a real thing because there was that much detail in it. Mm. But I'd be talking for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And and it was all memory recall. Wow. Okay. Because the biggest thing, the Mm, biggest thing about having an out of body experience, or even a lucid dream, or anything that you're trying to experience,
1: this is you practicing your memory. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because how often do we in life? How often do we in life are not conscious of things that happen? Oh, we'll just uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. and You're just like, no, I will pay attention to every fucking thing, and that's how you shop in your life. Mm.
2: Well, the thing is, off the back of that practice, (laughs) when everyone says to me about what I do in business and in my life. You're so OCD, detail oriented. Yeah. It's the details that matter. Yeah. It's the details it that are the difference between how okay. you do something and how I do something. Mm. Okay. How I you do can, one thing as how you do everything. Yeah. Mm. So I can, I can, we can do something exactly the same way, yeah. and you might go, "Oh, yeah, it's okay that that nut isn't the same as that nut." Mm. But I'll see that and go, "That is critical that that is fixed." Mm. Yeah. The thing's still the same, but someone's going to look at mine and go, "Every detail is perfect," and look yeah. at yours and go, "Oh, it's it's good." That's the difference. Good
1: enough versus perfect. Yeah, so Ah.
2: details, details, details. What happens is you guys have actually probably had some sort of lucid dream or out-of-body experience or something like that. Absolutely. The drama is, is when you wake up from a dream and you can't remember it, there's a reason you can't remember it. If you have an out-of-body experience and you can't remember it, you're probably, you're just not gonna remember it. The reason I can remember the out-of-body experiences I had is because of the work I did for that month previous. Mm. So you might have an out-of-body experience tonight and wake up and go, oh, I had a really weird dream and it felt like you know, I was flying and shit, but yeah, no, I don't know. could have been an out-of-body experience, but you can't recall the details and what it felt like and where you were and what decisions you made, mm. so it just fades into the distance. It just mm-hmm. fades into, you know, it goes out of your memory. So that was the first thing. That was the most crucial thing. Then from there, a lot of brain saturation, everything like that. Then you start to get into um, when you're actually going to bed, what you're doing or what, not even going to bed. I've, I read somewhere and it seemed to have some sort of logical sense with magnetism and, and everything like that mm. that the first time it happened and like I said I was desperate so I was trying everything it said to lay with your head facing north. So I laid in my bed with my head facing north. Fucks me if it made a difference or not, but it worked so I just whatever. So go with it. Yeah, just went with it. So and um so as you start to lay down, you start to you breathe, you go, you meditate. You're pretty much meditating, you're calming all the noise down, you're getting rid of all the noise, all the thoughts, you're trying to become completely thoughtless. Mm. Then there becomes a shift, that might take, for, for me in the first instances, that might take an hour, mm. okay? So it's all about patience and practice. Then you get to a point where you start to meditate, you get in a state where everything's clear. Then the next step of that is actually separating the body falling asleep and keeping the logical part of your brain awake so as you meditate and as you feel yourself drifting off into that state you can use a mantra or mantra whatever you want Mm -hmm. and you can say something like i'm having an out-of-body experience now over and over again then that rhythm of you thinking that in your head over what Mm. that doing the part of your brain that creates thoughts isn't thinking about anything else it's just thinking about that
1: it's focusing so it
2: keeps that part of the brain awake all right as you do that it becomes almost like white noise, mm. where it's just something in the background. Your brain is just constantly thinking, "I'm having an out of body experience. I'm having an out of body experience." Then you're back into a meditative state, and then there's a shift. Then you start to feel things like sleep paralysis, where or like it like just feels like your body goes really, really heavy, and that's actually you starting to separate from your body. Like, oh, wow. f- and, and and the first time that that happened to me, I was petrified because I was sitting there and I had an itch on my nose and I could feel Tune it. Tune in, this is epic. <laughs> I had an itch on my nose and I'm laying there and I was like, oh, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. And then I went to move my arm and I literally couldn't move it. And it felt like my whole, and then when I, because my logical brain's still active, I'm like, what's wrong with my body? Something's wrong with my body. And then, but it just felt like my body was made of lead. It felt like if I was on top of my mattress when I fell asleep, it felt like I was sinking down into the mattress. Wow. And I was just like, what the hell's going on? And then. That's where the practice comes in. Wow. Okay, so logically, yeah, you're half asleep. So part of your brain's gonna go, let's just wake up. And the other half of your brain's just gonna go, let's just go to sleep. But you've got that training that you've done that says, okay, what's actually happening? I'm feeling really heavy. This must be the sleep paralysis stage, okay? Mm. Then you can calm yourself down. And you you can calm yourself down and you can go, okay, this is phase one of the process. We knew about the process before we started, Mm. nothing to be alarmed about, and we go again. so when you get into that state then it comes into technique as well so there's a couple techniques that work for me i mean when i say there's a couple there's a couple i use that work for me and then there's 10 15 other ones that you can go and find out for Mm -hmm. yourself but for me there was one that was called the blue rope Mm. which is where you picture your your as, as you're laying there as you start to feel the sleep paralysis and everything come on calm yourself down, you picture as if someone's rolling a blue rope down and obviously you're laying down so as if the rope's coming vertically down to you like this and I always picture a blue rope just because just when I read it it said the blue rope technique. Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to do even though your body feels like lead is you're visualizing your body sitting up and grabbing the rope and then pulling yourself up just like that.
3: Mm.
2: And what you start to, you'll start to feel it. Well, the first time I did I, I felt like the bed was moving around the room like I was levitating in the bed and I felt like I was getting motion sickness and I was kind of pulling this right and you might do that for 10 minutes 15 minutes but that's all you're concentrating mm-hmm. on and then
0: Dale was physically pulling himself up a rope yeah yeah, for yeah like those we, that are listening
2: yeah correct yeah so if you're if you picture like let's say the blue rope's hanging in front of you and you reach your arms out picture that all your arms are blue all, everything like that and you're grabbing onto it, you can feel the rope in your hands, you can see your knuckles, all that kind of stuff. It's all happening. And as if you're pulling yourself up a physical rope, that's one way out. Mm. The way that worked better for me that I got, a lot of times I got that motion kind of um, feeling, but the times that it worked, Mm. I did the target walking. Mm. It's called target walking. So what you do is, uh, as a part of your training, you might go, you might get up out of your bed, notice every detail about the room, think about it all, picture it, walk out of your room, picture everything, walk out onto the street, picture everything, every stop sign, every light, every tree, you picture everything. And then you do that walk for five, 10 nights in a row with every little bit of detail. Then when you're in that state where the body's gone heavy and you, you feel like, yeah, okay, I'm ready, I'm in paralysis, I'm ready to go. You picture yourself sitting up out of your bed and doing that exact walk and picture every little detail about every little thing and I found myself, I went from my bed to there. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I oh, was wow. down the street, looking at my car, I used to park my car down the street, down the street, looking at the number plate of my car, and I was there. Mm. Just all of a sudden, it was just like a rubber band. It's right, like you oh, teleported mate. to yep. there. They
1: call that the eighth dimension, because fourth dimension is what they explain as like, fourth dimension is when you can't control where you go, mm. but when you tap into the eighth dimension, it's you can control where you go in mm. this spirit world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I,
2: I found that as I got more into it, learned more about it, felt more comfortable with it, that's the technique that I, I usually use. The first two or three times I use the rope technique and the first time I did it, I had all those sensations of the bed moving, and I felt like I was levitating, felt sick, all these kind of things and I was like, this is strange. We're back and we realized we're extending there, this like podcast a little and bit then, longer
0: than the ordinary one. Uh, oh, it's totally way. conscious I'm, I'm uh, doing this, decision this we've made my because head. I know that there's and so much value that Dale like was on putting on to you guys back, right now, shoulder, and all so, all so we're going to pick, so pick up where we left and off. Like, and that is like, and just when you were outside of your own and body and you saw the silver
2: felt heavy talked about it, and I believe that's a sign to let you know, and your subconscious mind is like, oh, this is okay. And I just said, no, that's it. Although you've snapped back into reality,
0: it's letting you. know I
2: whipped around to see what was touching on no, I am. And I do still have the I ability. My body is right looking here. This down. Is okay. yeah. yeah, I was it's looking down like at me. Well, I think too, and, and like I was like up everyone's the Everyone's experience, route. I think, will be different. This is just my experience. And, and I what was I'm like, what like the fuck? Do and all I, do I do could that. see was this, is this is little silver line that, silver that ran into my stomach and it ran from my hip. research now. And I was looking down at myself. Works better for someone else. From the that's all good too. But and I freaked out and because I'd read about it. But that's how it started, that's how it started. And when you do the research and everything like that, it doesn't make sense (coughs) to something connecting you back (laughs) to your body. Because there is that connection between your spirit and your body, all the time there's that connection. So I think reading about that too, I kind of expected, like I don't know now, like looking back at it, if it's something that I expected or it's something that happens to everyone, could be, but in my experience, that's what it was. And I think it was just, like you said, something that gave me a bit of a, just, kind of let me know that I wasn't alive, that I could always mm. come back if I needed to and how to find it. That yeah. was that was the kind of thing. Um, so in terms of coming back, mm.
0: you you went back in, you, you you obviously you got a bit of a taste for it and you realized, oh, this is, wow, yeah. where, where can this take me?
2: Well, yeah, and that, that was the thing. It was really a conscious decision then. So I woke up. You were at what age here, by the way? I would have been probably 20, maybe right around 20, 21. Wow, yep. yeah and with um, oh, us early hey. yeah so what happened is cause there's a part of your body that like that shit's never happened mm-hmm. and you can't talk to anyone you know about it because they may not have had the same experience they wouldn't understand yeah. without the months and months of research that I'd done would someone else understand what I'm even talking about um so that was a that was a hard thing when I came out of it cause I was fucking terrified like imagine Doing something you've never done before that you didn't even think was possible and it happening to you like that, mm. and you not even having the tools to process it or anything yeah. like that, that's the kind of feeling you get. So, for the next, <coughs> the next week or so, I reckon I didn't try it again just because I was trying to make sense of it all. It was almost unbelievable. And even to people listening to this, they'll probably see me being like bullshit. And that, yeah. that's absolutely fine. But for me, it was like something that was unbelievable just happened. Yeah. So I had to process that. And what this is, this kind of journey and everything, and the things that that happened when I did, when I, you know, I actively chased this thing, wasn't um, it wasn't a quick thing. Like this, this thing happened over like the next two years. Like it wasn't like oh, the next night I just went and did it. Mm-hmm. It was more so having to come to terms with what was happening, and how it was affecting my life. Um, so that was a really big thing. So probably didn't try it again for another two weeks. One purely out of just fear of what I'd experienced and if it was real and all that kind of stuff. The fact that I could still recall it and everything like that meant it wasn't a dream which means it was more likely to be real yeah. and I felt everything so I was kind of like yeah, going through that and then when I decided I, halfway through but that, but doing the first one and doing the next one was when I actually had to find out if I was not even man enough but if I was actually capable of finding out going back in because mm-hmm. I was about to find out answers about myself that I never knew I needed what was I going to find and yeah that's scary yeah that's real scary yeah because
0: it, it, I think with Georgia we mentioned this it's like if you, could, if you could see elements of your future I remember one time when I sat with Will Truman and I said uh, my intention was I want to see my destiny or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. and it's like geez, that's a big thing to ask of yourself it's yeah. like do you even want to fucking see that 100% yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when you're going in and you and because you've heard of these experiences and what these and since you've been exper- like since you've had an experience with it, you realise holy crap, there's there's more to this. Feelings, it's a gateway.
2: Yeah, there's there's feelings that you can't describe, even now, after five years of analysing them and, and knowing them and everything like that, that I couldn't describe to you that I felt mm. in those instances because. There's not something that you'd feel in your day-to-day. Yeah. You know? and, there's, and, and without actively pursuing those feelings, you probably would never, ever need to feel them.
3: Mm. So
2: those are the kind of things, like you just, you're literally in a world of unknowing. You just don't know what's next, what can happen. You don't even know what's possible. You're literally just exposing yourself to whatever comes. Now, whatever comes might not be what you want. And that's the scary thing. So going back into a state like that for the second time, I had to decide, literally if I was going to be able to live with myself knowing that this was a possibility yes, and yeah. not pursuing it because that's the only thing that made me do it a second time. Mm-hmm. Because I, on, I honestly was sitting there and I was so, I had so many questions and I was so curious but the other part of my brain was like, that was terrifying, I don't wanna do it again. What if I find out stuff? Like what if I think I'm this person and I'm not? What if this yeah. and what if that? So yeah. all these what ifs and then part of my, just yeah. a little part of my brain, the same part of my brain that said, No, you need to quit your job. No, you need to travel. No, you need to do this. No, you need to figure this out. That little part of my brain was going, but will you be able to live with yourself knowing you didn't have the courage to try it again? Yeah. And that was really the biggest thing for me was, like, I want to be courageous. The only way to prove that you're courageous is to do courageous things. So for me, the ultimate test, and it wasn't like courageous like, you know, fucking trying to push someone's pram out of the way on the road or anything like that. It was completely it was internal, yeah, and that's the most scary shit because Absolutely. there's no one, there's nothing, no one to blame. There's no existential circumstance where you can go, oh yeah, but the weather was shit. Mm. You have nothing to put anything on but yourself. A lot of people won't like that baggage, mm. and it won't be right for them. But for the for those of you that that get to that crossroads and can go, no, I won't be able to live with myself. There is so much to find out. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm. We did fail to mention
0: that Cato had to shoot off over the break uh, to attend to a coaching call so it's just Dale and myself here now. Uh, but I want to continue this continue this conversation, there will be so many listeners that are, and viewers that are intrigued by this. Uh, we, you, you obviously went back in, how many times in total ha,
2: did you, have you been in? I think in total it was about six or seven. Yeah. Um, and like I said this was over a course of maybe even a year and a half to two years wow like yeah. because there was there were so many experiences in the way that needed rational like I had to actually rationally dissect them mm. to understand what meaning they had in my life here on earth yeah and that was really that's what took the longest because the the things that I was getting and the and the, the things that were happening I couldn't actually make sense of them straight away mm. so then going and trying to do them again I could never do it like like so this, and this is the funny thing I tried without those two years I probably tried to have 30, 40 out of body experiences I only ever got the six or seven because every time I went in it felt like it was the right time yeah okay? there right. were many many times I, I laid in my bed and if you don't genuinely want those answers you'll probably never have that experience that's exactly right like, and, and, and that's just my view on it because I when I was ready to have them, I had them, and when I tried to force them, I didn't get them.
0: That's, and I think that's uh, Kato had talked about this on the podcast that we did with him, and it was like, if when you manifest, it's like you, if you really, if you really believe that you wanted that flash-ass car, you would have it. Mm. You would have that car, but mm. it's the there's a part of yourself that tells you, oh, I'm not ready, or I need to, I need to do more work in order mm. to feel like I deserve it. Yeah. So yeah, when you're dropping in uh, to these to these lucid dreams, and you're, you're, you are going in with a more pure intention of, this is what I would like to know, this is my listening to my inner guidance, and it's, t- it's allowing me
2: to step in, it so it, I'm ready to know. Yeah, and, and I think the, the proper word, if you're gonna distill the feeling down to where you have to be ready, well, sorry, where I had to be ready to have these experiences, is you have to be ready to surrender. Hmm. and I don't mean surrender as in like alright oh, cool I'm relaxed and everything like that I mean like to the point where if I didn't know these answers I would rather be dead Yeah, that's the kind of surrender like wow. literally letting every part of yourself go your ego what you think what you know you have to remove yourself from that completely to actually have to allow yourself to have that experience when you strip yourself away like that. It's almost like standing naked, yeah. and and having nothing to, you know, comfort you or support you or anything like that. You're literally the rawest version, and that's really hard to get into. You you honestly have to want that information, to be able to get it. Or I did anyway. So when I did these things, and I was laying in bed, and I was thinking, yeah, I want I want the answers to what I learned last time, or I want to know why mm-hmm. I had to learn that. That they're, they're the times where I never. Got it. Yeah, yeah. it was actually when I had rationalized them, felt them, and experienced them in my real life themselves, and I went in with no expectation, yeah. is when I got what I needed—not what I wanted, but what I needed next. And that was that—that that was the really the biggest thing: is understanding that this isn't something you can have. I'm sure people out there that are more naturally suited to this thing will have more out-of-body experiences than me, and they may not all be like, "This is what's going on in your life. This is who you are." They all might not be that spiritual and that deep Mm. they might just be a thing that happens to them when they dream Yeah. so it's different for everyone but for me every time I went in it was a new life lesson and something else to unravel yeah unravel and perceive something in a whole different way
0: wow yeah yeah let's um fast track a few uh monumental sort of lucid dreams that you entered so I remember when you uh spoke with us about this your first sort of incidents with us and when we first started learning about it uh, you talked about your sister, mm. and she was over in France. Uh, Canada. She was Canada. Yeah. Yep. Apologies. Yeah. So, just um, yeah, just touch on that for the audience. Uh, I thought it was absolutely fascinating.
2: Yeah. So when um, so my at the at the time um, when my sister was overseas, I was probably this is probably my third third out of body experience. Mm. Yeah. Where it actually this is where it kind of solidified to me that it was a real thing, even here. Rather than being you know, in a different dimension or whatever it was. So my sister was traveling the world at the minute and I hadn't spoken to her for maybe two or three months. And uh, my mum was getting into meditation and we were kind of discussing all that kind of stuff as well. And I hadn't spoken to my sister for a while and I went out to see my mum in the morning. We were talking about meditation. I told her that I'd you know, been doing all this kind of stuff. And the out-of-body experience I had the night before was... Me at like I just kind of I was doing the target walking and then I just appeared at this like vineyard and there was a a bedroom with a set of red curtains and all this kind of tapestry around the the um the window and balcony and everything like that and I can still picture it so vividly and my sister who I I'm very very close with like she's like one of my best friends I hadn't spoken to her in so long I'd been thinking about her so how of, long. Uh, I probably probably for a month I'd been actively being like, oh, I have to call Kelly, like I have to talk to her, see where she's at and do all this kind so of stuff. So you
0: hadn't you hadn't spoken to her in over a month?
2: Oh two months I reckon I hadn't two spoken months. to her. Yeah. And I didn't know where she was or what she was doing and she'd been away for two years at this point. Wow. Yeah. And um I I kept saying to myself, oh, fuck, I gotta get on to Kelly, like I've got to speak to her. So anyway, I had this out of body experience and I thought to myself, Oh, that's just so weird that I would just end up at this random vineyard this this and this and, and kind of see all these details and pay attention to all these details and inside the room was my sister and I was like what the fuck is this so I was like what are you doing she's like what are you doing and we had a conversation and all this kind of stuff and I saw her as she was and everything like that and then when it ended I thought that is so weird like maybe I was half dreaming and half out of body and like that it that kind of mixed this story up it felt more like a dream in in terms of the other ones, like the later ones, all felt like I was learning all this stuff. This was more like just a scenario. Mm. So I went out and I told my mum about it in the morning and um, I had this weird fucking dream about Kelly being in a vineyard. And I wasn't really telling my mum about, I was trying all this out-of-body experience stuff, I was just explaining it to her in dreams so it was easy to understand. Yeah. I said this weird dream, bloody Kelly, is at this vineyard and um, described to her what the building looked like and all that kind of stuff. And she goes, oh, did you speak to her? And I said, no, I haven't spoken to her. And she said, she texted me two days ago, photos of where she's staying, and she showed me the photos, and it was exactly as I saw it.
0: God.
2: And I had no idea she was even at a vineyard. I didn't know where in Canada she was. I, I just had no idea what she was doing. And then my mum asked me if I had spoken to her, because what I just described to her was where she was at. It's. Absolutely mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean,
0: what are the? You've got to ask yourself, what are the lessons out of these? You know what I mean? Like, what what is the universe or my higher power? What is, what what is this trying to tell me? What is it trying to teach me? What is it trying to show me? Like, yeah.
2: yeah, So, and and I think everyone will get a different lesson from it, and everyone probably needs a different lesson from it. But after I had those, that so we'll fast forward even again. So that was the first one I kind of realized where I was like, holy shit. Like I'm this is into some sort of hype, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I think because of so much work I'd done on saturation and stuff like that, my subconscious brain knew that I was thinking about my sister a lot. So when I yes. left, when I came out of my body, I think it was kind of connecting the dots and being like, "Oh, you're wondering where she is. Here she is." Yeah, you know? right, yeah. And it was kind of putting those two heart, like two parts of my life together, like my brain and being out of body, and going, "Oh, you asked the question. Here's the answer." And that was the first time. Where I kind of wow, yeah, yeah. Where I kind of put it all in perspective, where I was like, "Holy shit, what's happening out here has a direct effect on what's happening in my day-to-day life." Yeah. like, and that's where everything started to take off from there. So, even if we fast forward, just so we're not here for five hours, yeah. <laughs> we we'll fast forward to the the last instance, I had this um, kind of blue orb. Yeah, it was like a. I, I, it was like the feeling you get when you haven't seen your best friend for like 10 years, and then you're reunited. That's the feeling I had of this little blue orb that would float around with me and kind of guide me and and stuff like that. It would talk in English, but it wouldn't talk, it was just an orb. And that taught me a lot of lessons about that, about how everything worked outside of our normal, you know, three dimensions. So we got to a point where he, where I was asking him questions about why I was actually, why I felt the need to keep coming back Mm. instead of living my life down there Mm. while I was coming up here to to talk to him and learn more lessons. And the way it kind of came across to me was that Earth is... This is where we come from and Earth is an experience that we choose. Um, And where we were having these conversations in space or time or wherever you want to... You know, wherever you can grab onto to understand it Mm. was that there was no good, there was no bad, there was no... there's, There's just... A feeling of everything's okay all the time. Didn't feel like anything could go wrong. Didn't feel like they're, like I didn't, I didn't have to be scared or I didn't have to be anxious. I didn't have to be anything. You could just be as you are all the time and nothing outside of that could affect it. It's a weird concept. No, it sounds like a place of pure love or That's bliss or something. Pretty yeah. Mu- yeah, pretty much I would, ex- I would describe the feeling of being there as a feeling of bliss. Yeah, wow. Now, when I ask these questions, and we're trying to get these answers of why I keep coming back out here he was kind of like well this is where you're from okay like this is where and i say hey but it was just
3: yeah part, it, it, it was probably
2: part of me do you know what
0: it sounds like the blue orb may have been your consciousness yeah it may it, have been your consciousness exactly yeah.
2: right so i'm having this conversation i'm saying well why do i keep coming out here he says because on earth it's an experience where you can you can feel and learn how to physically move energy and to experience the difference between two things so you're always in the middle and there's one thing either side of you just like right now like we could be sitting here we Mm. could be cold or hot Mm. okay and there's a medium yeah then if you go outside you could be happy or sad There's there's a duality a polarity to every single thing that we experience here absolutely which we don't experience out there so the way I understood it was this was to, to come here was a place of learning and we could go back there to where we came from, or we could keep choosing to come back down here and learn more and have different experiences experiences that aren't available to us mm. out there. So when we were having this conversation, and he's kind of teaching me all this thing, I, and I said, well what like is it here like where do I go if I don't want to be on earth anymore? Like, where, like, where do I go?" And he said, oh you go home." And I said, well, what is home then? Like, and he's like, would you like me to take you? I said, absolutely. And we did the exact same thing. It was like, I was following him, but I could tell it was like trigger walking. Like, it was like, oh, sorry, target walking, where you mm. go, oh, I'm walking through here. I recognize that. And we kind of did this thing, and then all of a sudden we were there. And it was like, this, this is where the, the, it gets hard to describe now, because it was like, when I got there, it was like being reunited with myself. It was like, it wasn't a matter of me going, Oh, are we here? It was like, No, no, you're home. Like Yeah. It like even to try and describe it in an yeah, audio medium tell. is so it's a so hard it's a like picture the most intense and pure love you've ever felt, but as you walked into your house and you just said, Oh, like this is where I'm meant to be, this is where I came from. You feel the most safe, you yep. can lit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and
0: guards,
2: yeah. That's what it felt like as soon as I entered, and I was like, I didn't. He didn't have to say anything. I didn't ever have, have to ask. I knew I was home, and everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. There was like, it was just like, this, fucking. It was just. I can't describe it any better than perfect. I think that's pure enlightenment. Mm. Uh, so that is just being so enlightened, which yeah. is
0: the highest vibrational frequency, and yeah, that was what you may have been experiencing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. and it could have been, and it was just like nothing was wrong at all. Everything everything that I encountered, everything that I saw, it was just like the most perfect thing. Like, mm. it, like it was like, you know how here we can, like anything that's kind of man-made, it can be beautiful, but it's also je- detrimental. Like yes. if we want to build this beautiful statue, we have to take stuff from the mm. earth. We have to do this and that. It was a world where none of that mattered. Like mm. there was no, to build something up was no to take something else. It was just there and just perfect and everything was designed to work perfectly in harmony that's what wow. it was it was harmony yeah. just pure harmony yeah and i was there for a little while and i said to him i said to him i said what why would i ever leave this place like this feels fantastic and he said back to me because you would never learn anything everything being perfect all the time you don't it's have gonna to get boring, Yeah. He was like, you don't have to learn anything. He's like, that's why we leave. We leave because if everything's perfect all the time, then all of a sudden, polarity and duality feel exciting Mm. because it's different, it's a change. he's like, and we go to have these experiences all over the place, all the time, so we can learn more about what we actually are, Mm -hmm. who our creator is, and Mm. if we are the creator ourselves. Mm. And yeah, so the, the biggest thing for that, that was the last one I had, He posed some questions to me there that I still don't have the answers for. That I couldn't... And this is how many years ago now? This is probably five years ago, six years ago. And if I tried to... And I've tried many times to go back and ask what I'm looking for Mm. so I can get back out there and learn more. It's just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I haven't learned what I have to learn to go back. I've tried to have out-of-body experiences since and I'm just not... I know know in my heart that I'm not there yet. I haven't learned... what I need to know to go back there. Wow! But from all of that, looking back at it was, I know that, I know now, and there's a difference between thinking something, believing something, and then actually knowing it. Like, I know now that no matter what happens to my body, there will always be another part of me that goes on. Because I've been, I've looked at my body while I'm not in it. Yeah. And to know that, means that i don't really have to be afraid of drowning when i go free driving free diving or you know if i want to experience something new and it's going to cause me a lot of pain or maybe financial grief or whatever it is these are all just feelings that i came here to feel yes they're not necessarily good or bad because out there they don't mean anything Mm. but here i came there to feel i came to feel them so denying myself the opportunity to feel all of them means i'm not learning yeah and in all of that, not being afraid to die, not being afraid to try something that could kill me or anything like that, I know it goes on beyond this. And knowing that is what started to shape my life in a way that all these rules are bullshit. Everything's, everything's it's bullshit. A game. Yeah, everything's bullshit. You're here to feel shit and to learn. That's really it. Yeah. And now that I know that, man, I'll start. I'll do whatever I want. I'll start a business. I'll travel. I'll do it. like It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. None of it actually matters. What matters is knowing that what you've come here to do, you've done.
3: Mm.
2: And that takes a lot of stress off you in the day-to-day instead of going, oh, I lost 30 grand on that business deal or this or that. Yeah, cool, man. You're probably going to feel like shit. You lost 30 grand. But it's a feeling you came here to feel. It wouldn't You wouldn't have that feeling if you weren't supposed to feel it. Mm. That opens you the rest of your life up to do whatever you want to do. Because whatever you do, you'll have a feeling, and it's exactly what you're meant to feel. So that's where all of that, you know, questioning what I've been taught, questioning if I could start a business, questioning all that—that's where a lot of that trust came from—is knowing that I don't, that there is no no bars on me. There's nothing holding me to where I am right now because I can go somewhere else tonight, and none of this even be relevant. Mm. So it just opens your whole life up, the perspective. Of what happens here on earth is completely different now to what it was before and that's why I think it is such a powerful tool in the way of getting to know yourself like that because I know now I can do anything mm. like
0: if, I can see that when yeah. you
2: say that when you when everything you say with sheer conviction is because you've removed the element of fear or doubt no mm. oh, you I tell you what I have never felt fear on this earth like I felt at the first time I realized I was out of body yeah and if I know that that's the most powerful form of feel that I could ever feel or have ever experienced to this point, everything else ain't so bad. Yeah, exactly, it's <laughs> expanded your threshold, Yeah, day. exactly right, everything else ain't so bad. So I think that if you can experience or if it interests you, you should look, you should look into it. Where would you suggest, because this is gonna come,
0: I usually say, uh, what's your favorite book? But if we can go, any recommendations on if someone is looking into mm. potentially having an out-of-body experience yeah, and I, I, do it
2: with caution? Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely, just get on the internet and learn about what it is first, Yeah. okay? There's no need to rush out and buy books on guys that have done hundreds or thousands of them or anything like that. I would get on and find out what it is and what it is for you.
3: Because mm. you
2: can read books on this stuff. Even when I when I first started, I was reading books on it and everything like that, but I didn't understand what I would actually use it for. So the books meant nothing. The books are just a story of a person that's done it.
3: Mm. Find
2: out what it is. Find out if it's something you would like to try and then if you go further into that, like any work done from the M- Monroe Institute or anything like that is going to give you the stats and figures on what is actually happening with waves in your brain and all sorts of stuff like that. What but was it again? The Monroe, what's Monroe Institute. The yeah. Monroe So if you Institute. just Google Monroe Institute, it'll, it'll come up there and then you can go through their website and they tell you about all the studies and everything like mm-hmm. that. But that's for someone that's really gone, I'm very interested in this. I want to learn the science behind it because right. understanding is everything. Yeah. But a lot of people will read the description of it on Google and go, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And if that's what it's like, then I, I just Good, say, yeah. yeah, do your own, do your own research. It's going to be right for some people. It might not be right for you now. It might be right for you in five years. That's why going and buying these books and all that kind of stuff isn't really going to help you. Mm. You really need to find out exactly what it is, and if you're interested in trying it before you go out and spend your money and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, do your own due, due, due diligence. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and then one last
0: thing we always ask for our use at the end as well is, what's the quote you live by?
2: Uh, the quote I live by is, be better than you were yesterday. Psst. And it's, I like it because it's simple. Um, when I was in a time that I didn't know what I was capable of or anything like that, that is how I started, mm-hmm. and that's how I'll finish, until the day I die. If I'm better than I was yesterday, then in a year, a week, whatever it is, whatever the time difference, I'll be better than I was that period ago you're always moving forward i I love that i love that and you said that
0: you were unavailable on socials but maybe if they if people the listeners did want to connect with you in some way Mm. is there any possibility of doing that or
2: um i don't even know how they would to be honest because like i don't have any instagram or facebook or anything like that but i'll tell you what they can do maybe is they can reach out to us here at
0: brotherhood Mm. and then uh, we can potentially put you in contact with Dale. If yeah, maybe.
2: yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, let's go Done. with that. Beautiful. Thanks so much for no, coming on. No, thank you brother. for having me, mate. This is
0: fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's more to that story as well, when uh, that Dale can uh, expand and elaborate on. But it's been awesome to have Dale here. This is Dale Meyer. I'm Guy Anderson. Cato Sibthorpe joined us, but this is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Uh, over and out until next week. Enjoy. Ciao.